you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. David. Football. Football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at DaveDamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com slash Shack. My goodness, Black Tie. Settle down. Over anxious on the uh, on the cheer button there. Either way, welcome to the show. We are squarely in summertime. Really a glorious time for those of us who like to recklessly speculate about pro football. Let's do it now with, among others, the man seated to my immediate left all the way from London, England. I got good news for him, by the way, coming up here. Our resident Miami Dolphins fan, as I say, it's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, Handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you, Dave. It's a sad day, though. I've, I've come. I'm going to have to find Black Tie for piping in crowd noise at the beginning there. <laughs> he's, fair enough. He's been, That's uh, on me. That's on me. Tough but fair. It's amazing that Black Tie is one of those guys who, by the way, if you listen to the last show we did, we had Michael Robinson, our old pal, Penn State grad, Seattle Seahawks champion, now um, an analyst at NFL Media, and perhaps someday, very soon, he'll be. Sort of a co-host here. He keeps saying it, and I listen, I'm all for it. Even though he lives in Virginia much of the time, it'd be awesome if we could get him on, uh, you know, the, what are all the 21st century technologies available to us? Skype, FaceTime. Skype, FaceTime. Bring him in. We kibitz. We'll do this, that, and the other with him. He's terrific. Anyway, last week our mission was what's the best uh, college football fight song, mm-hmm. and we went through a number of good options there, punctuated 
by my soliciting fan votes. I said, hey, Czech Republic, weigh in here with uh, with your vote on what the best is. Black Tie put up a poll at NFL.com slash Sheck. So I asked for the results just a moment ago, and Black Tie said, oh, I didn't put that poll up. But, but that's on me. That's my bad. Well, lucky for you, Dave, to know that it wasn't on, it's not on you. <laughs> I love when you had no idea that you were supposed to be doing it. We used to play basketball. Uh, it was it was a Saturday. I mean, it was it was in the books, and I think we did this for save a handful of Saturdays over three or four years. We played three on three basketball. Name drop coming up uh, at Adam Carolla's in Adam Carolla's backyard. He had a perfect half court thing in his backyard with a pool um, at at the end of it. You know, at the at the, sort mm-hmm. of at the top of the key, just beyond the top of the key, about thirty feet beyond the rim. Um, and uh, we would play three on three. And there is a lunatic who you may have heard me mention before. You have heard uh, the sports guy Simmons talk about him. Um, Kimmel and the rest. His name is Ray. He is more uh, he's more beast than he is man. You know, he's a classic example of the million dollar body, 10 cent head. I mean, right. this ripped Bo Jackson kind of figure <laughs> and uh, and just can't get out. Like of you in your prime. Yeah, right. Well, he would always get the ball and, and three. He would go three. He'd go one on three. And pulled the trigger from 23 feet, falling away, um, and uh, with me standing under the basket wide open, ready to lay it in if he would just deliver me the ball. And as the ball would uh, would sail without even touching the rim and go out of bounds, he would announce, my bad. That's on. That's my bad. Yeah, no, of course it's your bad. Who else could it be? You're not a hero because you acknowledge what we already all knew. Same goes for you, Black Tie. That's just universal hoops language. You know, take a bad shot. You know, that's a you know, hit your chest. Oh, that's on me. That's on me. That's my bad. So, in other words, Ray is closer to classy than you because at least we were playing basketball right. when he gave the universal my bad. As you may or may not have noticed, we're not playing basketball here. You know, the, the king show. of that in the NFL is Chino Smith. I've noticed when he when one of his wild passes misses a receiver by 15 to 20 yards, either over their head or to the left or right of them, he will often acknowledge it by tapping. His, <laughs> it's like I don't think the receiver was about to take the blame. I don't uh, think he was going to be like, you know what? That's on me. I can't jump 40 feet in the air. He's got to learn from the master, Peyton right. Manning, who, who's, who's quick to point and scowl at whoever didn't right. go the way the, the ball flew out of, uh, out of 18's hand there. Either way, so we wanted to figure out the best college football fight song. And since we didn't put the poll up black tie, I'm sorry, you have to put it up now. I want to pay this off, and I don't want to render my decision. You know, let, let the Czech Republic and company weigh but in. But I do it. feel there's some worth into having it be more of a Twitter discussion, you know, rather than a Oh, is that what you decided? Yeah, that would have been great if, if yeah. we would have talked about that. And you would have Hashtag DDFP and just, you know, send those tweets in and get that conversation going, Czech. That's how we do it in 2015. Forget polls. And, Thank you. And today, the college football 24-7 team at NFL.com have actually written up the 10 best, and they've put them in 1 through 10 order. So. Perfect. There so you go. In a sense, regardless of what the poll would have come up with, um, we now have a, a final ranking of some kind. Well, also at NFL.com, you'll find my ongoing all-division teams um, up there, and of course, uh, it's great because what, what's so satisfying about doing these, and I did it, you know, instead of Pro Bowl style, all conference teams, I instead did it 
all-division team. And what's, like I say, satisfying about doing things like this is that when you put them up there, it's great that everybody just agrees with you and has no pushback right. on it in the comments section. Everybody says, well done, Dave. Well done, you know, Dave. this is you why you this. do Right. It. And look, I think part of that, this was, uh, you know, I want to pull the curtain back a little bit. Yesterday, um, I found Dave in the office. He was, you know, he'd, he'd shut himself in a room. He it was kind of soundproof. Dave doesn't, when he's working, he doesn't want to be disturbed or disturb others. He really <laughs> likes to be by himself and just hang out and really so i walk in and i was like i, knock, I knocked on the door somebody, but yes and dave ushered me in said come in and i said sorry to disturb you mr damashek and he was like that's fine i need a break i've been working on this for eight hours i peer around <laughs> the back of his computer and dave is watching offensive line tape he's what he wants to see every snap <laughs> of michael ruse through the season because it's important for dave as he does these all division teams it's important for dave that he doesn't just pull out of his um, behind yeah. the the five names that are going to line up on the offensive line. He needs to watch every snap of every player that's played on the offensive line. You might think that means, okay, well, he can just watch every snap of the New York Giants. But no, he needs to watch it five times because he's looking at the left tackle. Where did he go? How did he do? Dave's grading them. Then the next, he'll rewind the play, look at the left guard. How did he do? Okay, little slip. I don't like his footwork there. These, well, these I mean, teams listen, don't just come out of anywhere. Brady to Gronk is is fun to oh, watch. That's the glorious that. payoff. Right. But me breaking down Sebastian Volmer's, Volmer's right. play on that touchdown pass yeah, that's, is really where I that's get uh, exactly and where so I run deep. If so, you look at the two sentence descriptions underneath each of the offensive linemen, there you understand all the work that's gone into that. Yes, um, and beyond that, the AFC North went up on uh, on Tuesday, and that's sure to draw the yes. ire of Baltimore fans. Although I don't really know. How I could, how really any positions on that one in particular that, in fact, anybody, I, you know, full disclosure in case this is the first time you ever tuned in. I'm a Steelers fan. And, of course, if I say boo, then, of course, I'm biased and right. insane. But I don't think there is no way that any other quarterback is. I mean, it, in fairness, we did talk about triplets and Bucky and I gave you the business a couple of weeks ago because you're wrong as a whole. But within that division, I don't think there's any arguing that the, the Steelers triplets are better than. The, the three other teams. Oh, I can assure you, without looking at the comments section, that there are <laughs> there plenty of Ravens yeah. fans who are outraged that of Joe course. Flacco isn't ahead of Ben Or that Justin Forsett isn't ahead of Le'Veon Bell, or that, you know, <laughs> that Brian Hartline isn't ahead of, uh, for Browns fans, isn't ahead of Antonio Brown. So. <laughs> um, well, oh, so good news. The good news is oh, I'm you working. Oh, good news for me. Well, I'm working on the AFC East as right. we speak here on, on Tuesday afternoon. And you know what? You know how I told you and I told uh, I told everyone within the sound of my voice here on this show that I wasn't ready to I whereas in the AFC South I know enough to say that Ryan Mallett's Houston Texans will surpass the Indianapolis Colts and win the 2015 South um I'm now ready to render a final verdict on the AFC East and drum roll please black tie your 2015. He have a drum roll. There's no way a producer of Black Tie's Talents has a drum well, roll. One of the most basic things in the world. I do have up. a drum roll. What I don't have is the drum roll system to play the drum roll. <laughs> so you got one in your head. That's why we have a. This is why we have a pre-show meeting and a rundown and all that fun stuff. To set a pre-show meeting that would run so deep that I have to hip you to the fact that I might call for a drum, <laughs> a drum roll. <laughs> You're not nimble enough on the uh, on this 21st century technology. That's how we roll in 2015, Sheck, is, so, is what somebody just said to me get three down. minutes prior to not being able to summon a drum roll off the computer. Hey, why don't you do it manually, old school style, do it on the desk. There you go. Your 2015 AFC East champion. You couldn't make it last until I finished my sentence? All right. 
It's the Miami Dolphins. I've been and I mean this. that. I've been and I mean this. it. I'm not, that's not jive. I'm not saying that to Curry favor. I really think the Miami Dolphins are going to win the division. I think they could do as well. I mean, the other two teams, I've been saying this for uh, the other two teams outside of the Patriots still have big enough question marks at quarterback that you, I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, it's very hard to predict how those things are going to turn out. And I think that the Dolphins are right now have a better team than the Patriots. Well, I mean, the premise that we that has come up, I think, uh, two or three times over the last few years here on this show is is that uh, quarterbacks are important in pro football. And it occurs to me, you know, I, I, I've written about this a number of times, but Ryan Tannehill is sort of more comparable to 20th century QBs than he is the modern day guy in that. All these quarterbacks who come out and are, are and are rookie revelations are playing in a pro-style offense in college, and so that gets them up to speed, obviously, more quickly than the quarterbacks of yesteryear who had to, you know, who were handing the ball off 90% of the time when they were matriculating. Well, Ryan Tannehill is a newcomer to the position. He was playing wide receiver for more time at Texas A&M than he was playing quarterback. So when he arrives at the NFL, there is still a learning curve there for him. He's just now going into year four. He has been good. People have called for him to have a breakout year, including our pal Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. And I think they're right. I think they were just a little premature in doing it, maybe by a year or so. I think this is the year. And by the way, he he really hasn't he's had good last year. He was I agree. No slouch last season. He had over four thousand yards passing. He had a great touchdown to interception ratio. He was way more accurate than he'd been before. And the the one thing that is said about him a lot, especially in that new offense that Bill Lazor bought last year, is that he didn't make the same mistake a bunch of times. He wasn't. He's not a guy who's like has a trait a bad trait that he just keeps on doing. Um, so yeah, I, I like him and I like now the, you know, it's, it's funny how many pass catchers went away and how many new ones they have, but you know, optimistically, if Jordan Cameron can just stay on the field, we've seen what he can do, um, as a pass catcher, Jarvis Landry had a very quiet season. If, uh, uh, you know, it's underrated only because of the historic production of all those wide receivers in 2014. Right. It's regarded as the greatest wide receiver class ever already. So compared to those guys, to Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, and, and so on, maybe he gets lost in uh, in the shuffle a little bit. But make no mistake, he's for real. Now they had another wide receiver there in Devontae Adams who gets a very high grade from everybody, assuming Puck. his foot's okay. What's that? Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. Why do I keep calling him Devontae Adams? I think there is a Devontae Adams. I know there is, but I keep calling him Devontae Adams instead of Parker. Anyway, the bum foot aside, if he's ready to go, I mean, all of a sudden they have have a, a, a potentially very good offensive line. Brandon Albert returns. He was hurt last year, but then their rookie, Juwan James, had to play left tackle. That's probably a short-term hit for the Dolphins of 2014, but long-term, that's great experience for him and solidifies that line. And then you have Mike Pouncey in the middle there. They have have the makings of a good offensive line. They have question marks at at both guard positions. Evan Mathis is still potentially on the table for that team, and that could be a a place that he winds up. What if they add him? Look, they... they, they don't have many excuses. It comes back to my um, my my thought about the Red Witch and Game of Thrones the other day was you know like they you know if if you're Joe Philbin especially I think he's the he's the equivalent rather than Ryan Tannehill in this case because I don't think Tannehill's going anywhere after that contract he signed. But if you've got that first round receiver, you've got this you know quarterback who you're who you've committed to. You spent all that money on Sue. You've got you know the year before they spent all the money on Brandon Albert. They. they 
there are no excuses right now. This team, I, I not only um, could they win the division, they should win the division. If they don't, then I think Philbin has no shot at keeping his job. Yeah, it's not it's not on Tannehill, it's on Philbin. Right. We've given you everything. And the charisma of Rex Ryan and the mystique of Belichick and even the, the again, I guess you could apply the word mystique of Todd Bowles coming out of, uh, out of Arizona where they were decimated um, personnel-wise and yet were still a dynamite defense last year. Now as Bowles moves up there and all the pieces that the Jets have now, it continues to be a, what, what's going to be, I think, a, a fascinating division as those three teams rise up and the Patriots come back to the pack. Um, yeah, if unless Philbin falters, yeah, that that's would that's the and best that's team. A, that's a big question mark. Look, I, Dave, I was so confident. I think I told you this at least a month ago. I made a uh, friendly wager with a Patriots fan in, that that works here that if the Dolphins don't have a better record than the Patriots, I will be photographed wearing a cheer, Dolphins cheerleader outfit for a twelve-month cheerleader calendar. That's excellent. I just and he alternatively, obviously, if the if the Dolphins have a better record than the Patriots, we'll have to do the same thing. I like to root for my picks, but in a way, I'd kind of like to see that. Well, yeah, no one's a winner. I don't mean I. Well, I mean that sounds yeah. creepy that I that I desire to see, see you dressed that, as a cheerleader. That's the thing. Hmm. All right, I'll, I'll grapple with uh, with my inner feelings later. But you mentioned a wager, and I love this. Uh, you know, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to bring it up again now. Rickard Olson dropped me a line, handsome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he is so confident in Damashek's opinion that the Texans will, in fact, win the AFC South. He has wagered a marathon run on it. I think that's incredible. Rickard is, has my respect, as do anyone, as does anyone who's... He has your respect? Who, yeah, as does anyone who... I don't think that's respectable who, to listen to me. I, well, okay, <laughs> but on that front, but someone who is going to have to run a marathon, but he's essentially made the decision that he wants to run a marathon. Yeah, I guess so, but I think it should be really, there should have been odds on this. You know, the Colts are the prohibitive favorite. The other guy should have had to run a marathon if I'm right, and, and Rickard should only have to run a half marathon, right? Yeah, a, well, what's done is done. But black tie, one way or the other, we must get this Rickard Olsen on the show at some point to kibitz with him. Well, he's running the marathon. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we run with him, alongside him. Marathon cost. That's, that's a nice idea. 2015, we can make all these things happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking of which, uh, you know, uh, fans of my old uh, show with, uh, with my chum David Feeney will remember, we used to like to take the show on the road on occasion, and in fact, you have probably probably listened to us here, Handsome and I and others, 30,000 feet in the sky, did a plane cast. It's yep. the top-rated podcast in the history of NFL media. Uh, we're com- coming up here. This is a weird one. I think we're going to go to another professional sporting event outside of the NFL. We're going to go to another major sporting event and do a podcast from there. That is true. I'm, it's probably the most exciting moment of my summer that's coming up. We're going to go and watch a, a Dodgers baseball game who are they playing against i, I don't remember the um, mets yeah the metropolitans the of new york the city new york yeah. mets are, are america's two biggest cities yes in front of july 4th when our nation celebrates its independence right. what could go wrong with a with a brit in our midst yeah exactly i can imagine myself being pelted with baseballs or, oh uh, or, i'll see to it that that yes, happens thank you um crackle cast drops me a line um on the hey, Twitter. one thing about that if we are going to do a podcast from there yes so far we have a great lineup of people coming with us i think dan hansis will be joining us. i mean it will be truly it will be a great podcast but we don't have a producer and i don't really want to invite black tie 
<laughs> I don't want to come neither. What does that mean? You don't want to come? What is that? How, how dare you? I've sir? been in one baseball game in my life. It was a Dodgers game. It was cool. Oh, look at Nate coming in. All That's right, cool. now the show's getting yeah. going. Look at look at look how he works the room. He's like a politician, Burleson right. is. One of our favorites here on the show. He's coming into Studio 66. He's working the uh, the producers area there behind the glass, glad handing with everybody. Yeah. Now back in our midst. What a pleasure to see him. Look, he's got a glad hand with Black Tie first. Yeah. The baseball hater, Black Tie. Here so, he is, everybody. The great Nate Burleson. Turn on his microphone, please. You always make me feel so good. What's the poop, Nate? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just relaxing. Just had a production meeting talking about Tom, everything Tom. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Oh, yes, yes. I, we, we didn't even uh, touch on the subject. <laughs> we just spent the last 10 minutes talking about the AFC East and uh, the fact that Handsome and I are in line. We think the Miami Dolphins are going to win that division. Really? Yes. Right. And we didn't somehow mention Tom Brady. I Listen, it's not that I don't care about it, but by the way, I did tweet this out, and I do think this would be the grandest move of all by Kamish Goodell, is after the meeting to announce, you know what, I've decided to tack two yeah. more games onto that. Tom, Tom, while I got you here, <laughs> I just wanted to say you're not suspended for six games. Oh, yeah. and Tom, Tom before you go. you go, one more thing. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. You hear Ooh. what I'm saying, Brady? You know, do that. Lay it yeah. down, Goodell. What do you think of that? Uh, I like eight? that. You know, you, when you when you mess with the court system, you know, you, you definitely get uh, you get challenged for that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, this is what I like about the NFL is that it's the biggest soap opera in sports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, us that are really involved in it, entrenched in the culture, we know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I guess to the average fan, it just seems like a suspension and some deflated footballs. But because of the legacy they built, um, it, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. Let me watch. tell you something. I feel, and this ain't jive. I've, I I said this to you before you worked here or anything else, or I said it to other people about you. I said that Nate Burleson is all right in my book. You know, in the last couple of few years of your career, you were coming around. You were doing. I said that guy is. He, aside from on camera, I said behind the scenes, just what a a delightful fella. He's good humored and everything else. I appreciate. But you're that. not a quarterback. I'm not. I so as far as that goes, but you you spent a little time around the Browns. I feel good for Jonathan Manziel, the human being, if he has in fact saved his life or gotten on the straight and narrow because he was heading in a dangerous direction. I I, I won't speculate on that, but in football terms, man, it's a bummer for Johnny Football to be gone. I, I if he succeeds now, right. it is as Johnny Manziel, not as the as Johnny Football. That the potential Joe Namath, you know, the Broadway Joe of the 21st century, and I think that stinks. I think what we want <laughs> to your brother's soap opera, what we want is what we want are personalities. We want people that are funny and crack wise a little bit, and and you know say something when there's a microphone in front of them. You know all this stuff about Dwayne. I mean, uh, uh, Steph Curry bringing his dot. Oh, the sanctity of post game press conferences. What's that, what comes out of that? He's not allowed to have his daughter up there. Anything that shows who he is as a guy, right. I'm all it's for it. Better for the isn't sport. It sh- right. Isn't it a shame now that Johnny Football, uh, yet enough, so many quarterbacks, and it's quarterbacks more than anybody else. Yeah, it gets stamped out. E- uh, well, there's no good that comes out of you saying what you think. Just say, just say a bunch of empty rhetoric and right. cliches, and and get off the podium as quick as possible. So I- immediately when I heard that he was getting rid of the money symbol or signal uh i thought the same thing because i'm a big personality guy i want somebody to sit at home and think about who they want to be show up for it be that guy and then also be productive on game day and if you can kind of have that trifecta i think you can last a long time and not only do that but you can brand yourself 
But then I started to think about Johnny Football and his friends and his circle and branding. And I'm pretty sure somebody close to him said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get everything situated, get on the right path. I want you to just dish this whole Johnny Football name. I want you to dish the money sign. And I want you to set yourself up for a great comeback. And what we're going to do is have a whole nother mm-hmm. name, a whole mm-hmm. nother celebration, a whole nother symbol signal that we will sell. I guarantee you this. If Johnny, for whatever reason, goes out there and plays unbelievable and captures the NFL audience like he did in college, Nike is waiting with a shirt that might say the new Johnny. Right. Johnny's back. Johnny's Here's back. Johnny. Well, here, there you go. And I guarantee he's sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm putting this away. But I got something in my back pocket that's going to blow you guys away, and it's going to make me a lot of money. Johnny Vanilla. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what his new <laughs> You know what is interesting? I mean, that may be. You know what's interesting, though, is like, Joan, so you're right. I think Nike, and there are people who are pushing that all the time for, for Johnny Football. Joe Namath, you mentioned just now. If Joe Namath was playing in this era, you know, he seemed like a, his personality was natural. It was him, right? Johnny Football is definitely, there are, there are four or five people who are saying, oh, you should do a little bit more of that and a little bit less of that. Mm. I wonder if, I mean, because there aren't, I don't know how, Nate, you know better than us, but how natural are those, the guys that we think have great personalities and are natural personalities, do they act, are they actually natural, most of them? Or is there some of it being their marketing guys going, I think this will be good to put on a T-shirt that's going to get you some money? So for me, it was pretty easy to, to kind of pick those guys out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a guy who understands business and went to school for that, I don't blame a guy who's creating a character that isn't necessarily who he is right. off the field, off the court. But that's like me, handsome Hank. He's yeah, actually yeah. from Tuscaloosa. Exactly. <laughs> but that's awesome. But it's actually. working for me. <laughs> <laughs> but so so that but but see for me as a guy who wants to be around authentic people, that's the ones that I usually start to gra- I st- start to gravitate to. Like when I first got in the league, Dante Culpepper. Right. Um, he was country. He had this draw to him, and he was authentic. Opened his home up to everybody. Same with Randy Moss. What you saw is exactly what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in 2003. And then halfway through my league, I played in Seattle, and it was almost the opposite. Everybody was – they were corporate, and, and they were there to do a job. And it was the authority and then the players. And, and you stayed in line. You didn't step outside of the idea of what a professional athlete is. And it took adjustment for me because I came from Minnesota where everybody had personality. Even Mike Tice walked around like hmm. he was – the head of the mafia, yeah. you know, and, and we were the goons that wanted to go out there and do whatever we need to do for this family, right? And then I get to Seattle, and all of a sudden I had to get in line. I had to understand that oh, I can't joke around at practice. Yep. Um, I, I can't, you know, wear a, a loud suit because I, I want to wear a loud suit and stand out. Uh, actually, one of the first practices I had there, I was sitting there talking to Daryl Jackson, the receiver, and he cracks the jokes, and, and I, I laugh uncontrollably. You know, I'm one of those guys, I just, I like to have a good time, and he looks at me kind of like, shh, like we're in a library. And I just keep <laughs> laughing. You know, I don't know what he's doing. And then uh, Mike Holmgren turns around and he looks at me. And I'm just still laughing because I don't know what he's looking at. And he gives me that look like, shut the bleep up. And he said, hey, uh, Daryl Jackson said, hey, we can't, we can't do that here. Um, you know, we're on the field of business. Yeah. And, 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 but I understood it, though. Right. And that was, that was kind of the ship that he ran. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to show up. And do our job. We're not going to joke. We're not going to clown around. When we're at work, we work. Um, so, so you know, it's just a different balance of, uh, you know, different personalities and how coaches won and ran. But, you know, to answer your question, you see it all the time, and it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Sometimes you get a guy that's exactly what he shows the camera, 
And then other times you'll see somebody on camera and then you'll go home and say, man, that guy ain't that he's tough. Not, right. or He's not that guy. Yeah. Or, or he'll he'll sit in front of a camera and give you a voice that you never heard as a teammate. You're like, who the hell is that talking? I ain't never heard him talk like that. So I love that well, kind on. of – I love that insight. Up, to follow I'll, up with that real quick, let's go over some names. Let's oh, no. I'm not going to name, no, name, 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 name those guys, but let me throw, right, right, let me throw let's, one let's at you. RG3, branded or real? Ooh. I, you know, I don't know RG3. So I'm speaking as a fan, somebody who's been watching from the outside looking in. I think that uh, – I think if RG3 was 100% authentic, people would like him more. I think he's he's made some decisions and said some things because he probably thought this is what a franchise quarterback should say. And that can get you in trouble when you try to – well, the fans. you know what? As a rule, I don't know marketing as much, but and I certainly I'm no broadcasting wizard myself. And but you never played football. I, but no, that's well. <laughs> I mean, in my 11 years in pro in the football, NFL, right? Um, no, I you, the thing I uh, authentic is what you want is a, uh, you yeah. know that's the best you can do in broadcasting. Trying to put on something is not going to sustain itself long term. Ike Taylor to me is authentic as it gets. Yeah, I love real. I love what he's about. You know, Michael Robinson, you guys are a are, are great deal of fun to talk to. You know who feels like a marketing guy to me? Tell me about this. Richard Sherman. Oh, it's about to bring him up. Oh, man. Because I, where I get raw is when people compare him. He's, he's this generation's Muhammad Ali. It's like Ali isn't funny for an athlete. He is a funny human being, right. one of the all-time personalities, and not just a sense of humor, but one of the most – Right. You know, one of the great presences of the second half of the 20th century, maybe the most significant in a lot of ways, to compare Richard Sherman, who just says mean-spirited things, talks trash, <laughs> like Ali was hysterical and powerful to, you know, to society. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with uh, Richard Sherman. Yes, we? so when I, when I watch, I don't know Rich either. You know, we, we cross paths. But um, when I watch Richard Sherman early in his career, during the middle of his career and now, I thought as an athlete that at some point he realized if I take the Floyd Mayweather approach, early Floyd Mayweather, where I make people hate me, but I make them hate me enough to where they want to watch me either win Mm -hmm. or lose. And he started to say certain things. And even I was like, what are you talking about? Why would you say that? Um, And not only as a football player, but also as a black man. You know, you know, you, you see a guy say something really brash um, on camera right after the game, and I'm thinking, man, you could have said that better. Or, or he gets on a you know a, a national show, and I say, oh man, I wish you wouldn't have said that. But as a guy who understands business, mm-hmm. I understood what he was doing. Now, if that was all planned and all orchestrated because he wanted to bring attention to himself, it worked perfectly <laughs> because people started to watch, and he started to make plays, and then that boy got paid. So, whether you want to call it authentic or not. His plan worked, and what I noticed, just like Floyd Mayweather, after he got the fan base, after he got the money he wanted, just like Richard, he got the fan base and got the money he wanted and started to make plays, it's died down a you lot think, more. I mean, it seems like every week he's he's saying, I'm a better corner than this guy, or I can shut this guy well, down. Well, I mean, now he has to defend himself because everybody right, because shots. When you start that, you, you, you're you going to finish op- it. You, you can't just be, okay, I'm leaving that part of me behind. Yeah, That's, you open up the doors to everybody having a comment. You know, right. I think it was, was it Cromartie who, who said yeah, something last recently? Yeah, Cromartie, and someone, I think he had, I think Revis and Cromartie, like Jets teammates, he's having a, 
argument with both of them at the same time about who's the best corner in the league. And that's what it is. When, you, when you claim that you're, right. you're on the throne, you know, people are going to take shots at it, mm-hmm. period. That's Black so, tie Well, I think a guy like – I got know, one more. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Russell Wilson <laughs> is a guy who I've interviewed now I think three times. Yeah. And, and he's pleasant enough. You know, yeah. he's, not, he's not rude by any stretch. He's, and by the way, as a side note, and you know, infinitely more important than how he comports himself when he's talking to a dope like me – you know, the day or two after the Super Bowl, you know, it chokes me up to, to see pictures of him still going on his weekly visit to Children's Hospital in Seattle. It's beyond. I mean, you know, he and J.J. Watt and guys who do that, uh, you know, I can't say boo. I'll never say bad about. However, I will say this. I mean, with the, he's, he can't be the way he is on camera. He's got to be a cooler guy behind the scenes. But he's a, hey, Russell Wilson, you grew up. I, I, I read that you loved Drew Brees when you were growing up. What a great thing it must be that he's coming up to play in your house. It's going to be rainy. He won't like it outside that dome, right? I'm looking forward to a chance to compete. Like, all right, you can have fun about wanting to right. beat Brees, right? But he, he never takes the bait. You know, takes the bait. And you know, you want to see a guy take the bait, and you want to see. A I guy wish he would. Up. That's right. Yeah. How much would you like it if after a game he just threw a cuss word out there because he was mad? <laughs> Listen, you would watch, love. You would love it, right? We watch. Well, I don't watch wrestling, but a lot of people do. The whole, entire fake sport is predicated on trash talking. It yeah. would be a little bit of fun if more QBs had some Phil Rivers in them. Because yeah. he's the one who does still carry around. <laughs> he doesn't yell across the sidelines as much anymore. But that's authentic because Phil Rivers isn't doing that in press conferences. He's doing that when you know that it actually means something. He's doing it yeah, on right, the field right. when you know one of his players makes a bad play or a good play or whatever. He, you, that is definitely authentic. When it comes to a press conference, he's still as manufactured mostly as as most of the other quarterbacks. Does that ha- what does that does that ha- does somebody in the PR department at the team? Is it his personal guys? Do they? Collective, I mean, like if you draft a QB, yeah. if you're if you're Tampa Bay right now, does uh, do they have handlers there on site who say like, oh, yeah. hey, Jameis, come in here, we gotta we gotta work this out. Here's what you say when people ask you this kind of question. For sure, 100 percent, especially for a guy like Jameis. But I think with Russell, I think he just gets it. I think he gets it. Um, you know that he, he doesn't want to be the brash athlete, and he wants to be marketable. I mean, he has a good look to him. Uh, you know, he, he, I, in I'm, like this. Right I'm in Seattle. So I see what he does behind the scenes, whether it's him talking on the radio or me seeing something on the news about him go visiting some kids. Um, for example, we are watching the Super Bowl and all, you know, local commercials are kind of spliced in throughout. And I think over a few minute span, we saw him on an insurance commercial, Alaska mm. Airlines commercial, him visiting kids. And, you know, we're, we're at the house. We're relaxing. One of my homeboys was like, come on. This guy can't be that perfect. And everybody bust out laughing. Um, but that's the perception is because he's doing everything right, it's almost like, is he that perfect, really? But, I, you know, I, I, I say just like this. When you see greatness, whether it's a guy doing great things on the field or you see greatness, guy doing great things in the community, believe what you see until you hear otherwise. Hmm. So. All right. Let's round it up here because there's something else I want to get to real quick with you. Um so where we started, Johnny Football, will he be? Do you think that all this life change off the field is going to result in better play? Will he be the starting QB at some point this year? Not for the not for the Browns. I think they brought him a count ah. to start. Uh, but, you know, like I said on air a few days ago, if Johnny truly wants to change the direction in which his career is going, he's going to have to do a few things this year. One – He's going to have to dive into the playbook, um, into the nuances of the game more than he has ever done in his life. 
That means you're going to have to turn off a lot of people. You're going to have to walk away from a lot of situations. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of your night schedule um, to dedicate yourself to this sport. So a year from now, um, he doesn't just know the playbook better. I mean, anybody can learn a playbook, but his IQ of the game increases. Um, then secondly, if he's not playing, he should hit the weight room. I, w- I, w- I would say relentlessly, but I don't want you to walk out, you know, like a bodybuilder. But you can imagine that he's still young, and so he, he has room for growth. So if you think he's, oh, he's a decently athletic quarterback, he could walk into next season faster and stronger and more accurate. Uh, and all these things are possible. So this, these, these are not out of anybody's stretch, you know, and, and if Johnny wants to, he, he can come back a completely different and better player. Now the question is, will he do all those things? Mm. And, and even if it doesn't work out with the Browns, say a situation happened where McCown plays awesome and they have to get rid of Johnny and he goes and puts on another jersey, he can walk into another organization and this is a league – built, you know, fans that are kind of like goldfish, you know, short-term memories. Mm-hmm. And if he wows a team over the summer and in training camp, people are going to forget the stupid stuff he did. By the way, they, uh, enough. I thought 2014 was going to be the beginning and end of this coaches, the safe conservative choice, Josh McCown and Brian Hoyer. And it seems like we're back in that spot on several teams again. Put in a guy who has a has a higher ceiling. Why would limit your team with Brian Hoyer if you're the Texans? They're on the cusp of doing some good stuff, but they're limited by what Brian Hoyer is capable of doing. Anyway, <laughs> that brings me to 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 this kind of uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I brought it up to you, Nate, when uh, you and I were kibitzing in the uh, in the locker room yesterday, and now I bring it up to you, handsome. We, uh, it, it's this question or or observation, I guess, really is. The NFL, you know, baseball, people, you know, wax poetic about, like, hope springs eternal. Everybody has a chance, has reason to believe they can win the World Series this year. But that's not true in baseball. There aren't, there are not as many examples of teams coming out of nowhere. Same thing in the NBA, but in the NFL, I defy the two of you, Nate and Handsome, tell me teams that you're positive have no chance of making the playoffs. Not winning the Super Bowl. That's obviously a much taller standard. But getting into the postseason, who are those teams? Name, can you name five? There are eight no, NFL divisions. No, you can't can you five. name even five that ain't going to, the, to, to January for sure? It's hard. It's hard. I mean, that's a really hard question. I would say a lot of it comes down to the division they're in and the strength of the teams that's right. that are in there. It's not so much about how bad a team is. It's just like, hey, you've got to get over – the Seahawks to win that division. Okay, well, that's going to be a pretty tough ask for, let's say, the 49ers. So that that would be as much oh, pains, so there much we as go. it pains me to say it. That would be one team I'd, I would put on that list because I, I really like their coach. Think about uh, what you just said, though. Mm-hmm. That that The first name that you threw out of the gate is the San Francisco 49ers. But I'm just, they I'm have Navarro is, Bowman coming back. They have Alden Smith coming back. They have Colin Kaepernick, who is a pass away from I'm, winning a I'm, Super Bowl. Vernon Davis, that uh, several pieces from that great offensive line, and so on. I'm, I'm with you, I'm just, I'm with you on that. I'm totally with you on all is. that, and I agree they've got some great parts of their roster. But for them to make the playoffs, it means they need to be better than the Seahawks. Right. It means they need to be better than the Cardinals, who we think are going to be better given that they'll have Carson Palmer back. They're going to be better than the Rams, who are a defense that's just like could be the scariest in the league. And then they've lost a bunch of stuff during the during the offseason. So that would be why the 49ers would be one of the first names out of my mouth about that. It's just 
it's not so much that they're a terrible... I don't think they're the worst team in the league. I just think they've got a bigger mountain to climb than, than a, a lot of other teams. Yeah, for, for me, it's, you know, it's interesting because you, you try to figure out what makes a successful team. When I played every year, I'm trying to figure out the formula so I can come in with some type of tidbit or hmm. note for my coaches or teammates. Hey, this is what I noticed last year. Let's blueprint it like this, but it's never the same. There's just so many variables. And so for me, there's a couple of basic things that I've always recognized, whether I played on a team that got close, played on a team that made the playoffs, or got to the NFC Championship game. And that's, one, that your starting quarterback plays like a starting quarterback for 16 games. He's He plays the way you expect him to play. And then, two, not necessarily how you start, but playing good towards the middle of the season and then great towards the end. So you have that momentum going into the playoffs. And then lastly, um, not if, but when that injury bug hits you. Because it hits every team. Right. And sometimes it's it's a small bite. And then sometimes it's just, it's you know, huge where guys are just falling by the wayside. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys say we prefer to get the injury bug early. And, you know, it's kind of tough because then you got to kind of batten down that – the hatches and make sure everybody plays well, and then your your star players come back towards the middle end of the season. But for me, it's it's those three things. It's it's up to the quarterback, the injury bug, and when you play well. I don't want I don't want to do this uh, off the cuff because it seems like this could be a great list. We should work on the however many it is. If it's four things, you just gave three, or if it's seventeen things, in order. The pri- prioritizing the things that you absolutely have to have mm. to get to the playoffs. And it's a different one for a Super Bowl because, as we pointed out here um, before, I think 13 of the 16 Super Bowl champions of the 21st century had a so-called elite QB. Even if they had a great defense behind them, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, Roethlisberger's first Super Bowl, more about the great defenses. But those guys, you know, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Peyton, Brady and Rodgers have won, like I say, I think 13 of the 16. And then there, there's Flacco, there's uh, Russell Wilson, Seahawks, and I forget the other Brad one. Johnson. Oh, and Eli Manning. You know what would be Manning. great? Oh, and Brad that, Johnson. With right. that list, what would be awesome is we take that list, however long it is, and at the end of the season, we check off. That's a great who idea. Who made the playoffs. Right. And then the, the guys who are close – we make their the almost almost. And and what then, are they? What are they missing? And then the terrible teams. How many of those things did they hit? And maybe they didn't hit any of them. You Let's know what I mean? really work on that. I won't task you, uh, Nate, with this. No, I want to be involved. Right, don't we'll leave do me it. out. All right. So <laughs> you you gave us three to think about. I'll t- it's a dumb observation. It seems pretty pretty obvious, but I'll tell you if you look at the teams that actually make these deep runs. To your point about injuries, it's depth. It's yeah. a, it's almost more important than high end having a having a half dozen high end performers. Which right. you, well, that, that's another thing. You do right. need some star power, guys who are legit high end playmakers. Yeah. But I think I would take depth almost over anything. I, yeah. I would just give me a, a roster that I feel like because everybody has injuries in yeah. the 21st century. If you have a guy that you feel is capable of coming in and filling the void there, the Ravens. Why are the Ravens relevant year after year because of that more yeah. than anything else? It's yeah. their depth. You're right about. Ozzie yeah. Newsom does a does, does a second to none job of uh, of stocking up because teams that what they do all the time is they get a star at, at a certain position. They say, okay, this is our guy. But if Cam Newton's banged up, then you know what are you going right. to do? How how much of that is going to hurt your team? But like you said, if you have a team filled with good receivers, you have Calvin Johnson, who to me is one of the greatest. But you pick up Golden Tate in the off season. Yeah, right. If Calvin Johnson's banged up, he can limp around for three quarters, and Golden Tate's going to 
bust his butt and play tremendous right. and give your team a chance to win the game. So, yeah, you're right. Depth is important. Real quick, I'll I'll take them off here. And last year, I tried to tell you who was going to be the worst team, who's going to have the first overall pick. Do you remember who you said? Yes, I do. I'll tell you now. Listen, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, like the late, great Jerry Orbach says to Swayze at the end of Dirty Dancing. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, and I was wrong about the team that I said would have the first overall pick in uh, in this past spring's draft. I said the Dallas Cowboys. As it turned out, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> but if I bring it up, it's on me to then tr- to try and fix things. So, You're bad in a way. So in, in your head, what was you know the, the couple of reasons why you thought they were going to be so bad? Because I thought they were I, – I, I mean, listen, like a lot of people – Sean Lee was there, seemed to be their one halfway decent defender. He hurts his knee on the first play of uh, of practice in in summertime. I figured, well, they're they're not going to have a bad defense. They are going to have the worst defense in the history of football. And you know, I didn't obviously know Marinelli was right. going to do what he did, but right. they weren't just a decent deal. They were they were a, good defense, a, a top half in the NFL defense. And, you know, I, I, I didn't give enough attention to the greatness of that offensive line, obviously. Mm. And Marco Murray stayed healthy and so on and so forth. What's that? It's unlike you to not be scouting offensive line. That's my thing. I love – that's what I love. To, I like watching individual tape on uh, on offensive linemen, breaking that down. So if we'd have had a list, the Cowboys would have – That was my number they, one. They, I was they wrong. They checked off a few things on this list we're going to create. Here, as de- this is as deep as I can go with it. I think teams that are definitely not going to the playoffs. The Raiders – but again, I can I can I I, I can mount <laughs> so some sort of an argument out of the first one because I yeah. tr- I thought about the Raiders when you just put me on the spot. I thought about the Raiders, and then you think they've got a young quarterback who's probably going to be better than he was in year one. Mm-hmm. They've got Khalil Mack, who was who looked like he was about to break out. They've got a great receiver. Yeah. It looks like uh, in the draft. I mean, it's it's. It's tough to write them off. Reggie McKenzie has done a, a semi-quiet, nice job yeah. of, of building that roster up in not a, a ton of time. But that what it what that basis uh, that pick would be if the Raiders could somehow uh, uh, sneak their way into the playoffs, which I don't think they can. It would mean that Peyton just is you know fell off a cliff. You know that that wasn't just a a bum quad that he just got old and that's it and they fall into irrelevance. That's the only way mm-hmm. they could they could overcome the other three teams in the division. All right, the Niners I'll throw on there. Um, I will go with Bears. the Bears. <laughs> but John Fox always goes to the playoffs. He's gotten worse teams than this to the postseason, so it's hard to say the Bears. But, yes, and, and you know, and we're also talking about Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Forte, you know. Kevin White. Kevin White. This, they got so much talent, so you're not confident in Cutler. I'm not confident Cutler. in any of these. That's you're the not, point. You're not confident in Cutler. I don't like – here's the thing. I don't – by the way, I don't like parody. I think parody stinks. I don't know why this is the big uh, – this is the, the – well, I know why leagues want it. I understand why Kamish Goodell probably enjoys it because it keeps uh, all the teams relevant and right. keeps the fan base as broad as possible. But, I, you know, I'm a front run. I'm not a – well, I'm not a front run. But, I, <laughs> I, look, I grew up in Pittsburgh in the 70s. I like juggernauts. I like yeah. dynasties. Dynasties yeah. mark your place as a fan in time. Don't you want to be able to say – I saw the best to ever play, LeBron James. That's why you kind. Of, I think that's why people gravitate to Tiger Woods when he's in that run there. Yeah. You know why now going forward, people will root for this Jordan Spieth to win the British Open yeah. because they want to be able to say, "I saw it. I was there." The, the whole witness campaign by Nike was fantastic. Okay, now LeBron. let me ask you a question. So you you love dynasties just like me. I'm the same way. Now in the latest news with the Patriots. For a while, they were one of the only dynasties we've seen in the last 15 or so years. 
will that dynasty have an asterisk by their their title when it's all said and done, or will you look at them the same way you looked at them six years ago? Nate, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again to you now. It's not will there be an asterisk. Guess what? In 100 years from now, there will be a a a child who fancies pro football, and he'll want to know more about the previous century. He'll, what happened in the early 21st century? Who was the great team? And he'll look up, oh, he'll hear, hear word of the New England Patriots, and he'll go to look up to the page in the big book of pro football. He'll go to read about the early 21st century New England Patriots, and unfortunately for him, he won't be able to see a word of it because it will have a giant stain across <laughs> it. It's there. There's no undoing it. You know, It doesn't matter oh. now. It's Whether it's true or not. So the if stain it was, if it was is a there. scratch and sniff book, it would smell like <laughs> crap. Yes. Okay. Thank right. you. Yes. That, I, get, I get what that was. That was a great picture, by the way. That's it, Nate. I mean, that's, whether but, you like it or not, whether the Patriots fans and the organization, the best they can do now is embrace whether they want to or not. This is it. Their their story is they are like Detroit Pistons bad boys, the Raiders of the seventies, the Broad Street bullies of uh, that are the Philadelphia Flyers, and so on. You now are in that pantheon of teams that are considered dirty or cheating or whatever else. That l- listen, Spygate plus Deflategate plus the the weird plays at the line of scrimmage, all that stuff add up to there being an asterisk, a stain, whatever you want to call it. But not one on the great Nate Burleson, ah. nor on his clothing line. Go to lionblood.com. They, he's got that. handsome items. I, Nate often is walking around these halls. I say, man, that's a cool-looking shirt. Lion Blood, man. He, the, he said he went to business, uh, went to school for business, and he is. Uh, it's coming to fruition now with lionblood.com. Well, I appreciate you having there. me, man. Nate, a pleasure. We got Next week, kibitz. We'll, we'll kibitz about this list. The most important items, one through whatever. Yeah to being a playoff contender in the NFL. All right. There Next, he goes, the great Nate Burleson. I'm a freestyle, too. i got to spit these bars for y'all. If you're in a hurry. Go- oh, yeah, that's right. He is a rapper. We forgot about that. All right, Marcus Smith. There he goes, the uh, the talent Turk. Marcus Smith on his way out of Studio 66 with the great Nate Burleson. Dave, I just want to ask Hey, handsome, why don't you like Nate Burleson? I Whoa, think he's a great guy. Why, why are you going that way? <laughs> I want him to hear you. You went out. Um, As he went out. I want to ask you, though, do you think – okay, I agree with you on the Patriots, but that long before the Patriots had their dynasty, there was the the the, fra- the phrase um, that, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Mm-hmm. Do you believe for a second that the great Steelers dynasty that you hold up, or the Cowboys one, or the 49ers one, or the Packers to some extent, then. Do you think that any of those weren't bending or breaking the rules along the way? And if they were doing what they did then in an era now where, you know, as Nate was just saying, we cover football in a totally different way and mm-hmm. we have that inside information and, and the NFL's changed so much even since the 90s when the Cowboys were a great team. Do you think for a second that any one of those teams would not have that same type of asterisk? Well, we can tie it back to the analogy that we were just sort of making 20 minutes ago between Broadway Joe in the late 60s mm-hmm. versus Johnny Football in the 21st century. Now, Nate also points out, or was that you, that – Johnny Football's thing is more about perception. It's not as though we hear him being right. charismatic on ca- or we've seen examples of his mighty charisma coming yeah. through in his uh, turns of phrase. It's just that he does that money sign and all right. that jazz. That, that to the, in this day and age, that's seen as him being some kind of 
individual and unique. Right, and it's right. Like actually, someone you know. It's... But right, the standard is different. Joe right. Namath was getting loose in yeah. in taverns around in Manhattan, you know, yeah. womanizing and all that. Right. That probably would be received differently now. Um, yeah, cool. I say all the time. I love uh, Patriots fans love to drop me a line about uh, what they've heard the Steelers used to do in the seventies. The difference is spe- specific, but yes, I think. To answer your question, yes, I think gamesmanship, cheating, whatever you want to call it, obviously marks sports, and it's they're knuckleball. I mean, uh, spitballers, guys who uh, who doctor the baseball. That's one thing. Football, um, stickum wasn't illegal per se, but it's you know it it, it had its run of getting uh, the Raiders got a little out of hand with that stuff. Um, yeah, definitely the the, the Steelers uh, at least. According to Al Davis, who alleged that the Steelers iced down outside the hash marks in the in the '76 uh, AFC title mm-hmm. game, he accused or '75 title game, I forget which, but anyway, accused them of icing it down to slow down Clifford Branch, as he called him. Um, so yeah, I, the 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 parquet floor of uh, Boston Garden was uh, apparently had dead spots on it that only the Celtics players knew where they were, which gave them an advantage, and so on. The best of them all, though, is I think Red Auerbach did this, that they would turn the heat on in the, in the visitor's visit locker, locker room. room. <laughs> or, or only have cold showers in there. I, my point isn't, yes, my point isn't that I think the Patriots are dirty cheats who, have, who are getting what's coming to them. The point is, same as with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, you can't put those guys in the Hall of Fame. They need to be punished. Guess what? They've already been punished. You can put them in the Hall of Fame. No one is ever going to disassociate the stink on them from the steroid scandal. Whether or not you can point, it's it's perception. Perception is mm-hmm. reality. I'm not saying the Patriots are dirty cheaters. I'm saying that that is what is in the first paragraph of the description of them. There was scandal associated with this uh, early 21st century dynasty. That I can't remove yeah. that. I don't care if Goodell says, oops, we got the whole deflate gate thing wrong. You know what? Brady's free and clear. We're giving them back the first round draft pick and so on. The damage is done now. This is what we think of them. All right. Now, speaking of scandal and gamesmanship and so on and so forth, handsome, we haven't had black tie here. I'm sorry. I'm trying to eat a raw almond, and it's you know as I talk, and it's not going so well. Black tie's here. You're here. Let's say farewell to the most recent season of Game of Thrones. It also we... set a spoiler alert mark right here. No, I don't care. No, about... that, if look, care. it's we're two know, weeks. Too we're late. two weeks past it. If you don't know, bad luck. Spoiler alert. You're about to have your life ruined. And also, I went back and watched. I should tell you, people have been tweeting you and me, handsome, about um, season two of True Detective. I liked it. I went back and you watched, watched it. it again. Right. And I'm in now. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean it could it, it could it could go it could go downhill and right. I would back out. But you know what? I didn't dislike it. I just think sixty you know, minutes it, in, I'm engaged. Right. I think, you know, uh you, they, there's a whole lot of setting up to do in the first episode of a of a season that's gonna probably gonna be eight to ten long. You've got to introduce characters, introduce a storyline. I don't think that the first episode of Game of Thrones or The Wire or Sopranos or any of those shows that that are beloved, uh, if you look back on them, you're not like I knew from the first one that this was going to be great. Normally, they you have they're introducing themes and people. Your observation was uh, was spot on, though. It's just the thing that is distracting is Vince Vaughn. Yeah. 
I keep wanting him to say something funny, and and he's not going to because he's now playing a serious character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. Um, he really it's, he really takes you out of what you're right. watching when suddenly he's in there, and he's I, I, normally the lovable goof, and now he's supposed to be some hard edged mm-hmm. business. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. But all right, Game of Thrones, Westeros, all that. Mm-hmm. I'll say you handsome. I so um, I didn't this season kind of didn't move me that much. Uh, compared to some of the other ones, um, but it did finish on a bunch of cliffhangers. I mean, if you if you'd said like pack this episode as full of cliffhangers as you possibly could, and you know don't don't reveal what's going to happen to a lot of these characters, including like are some of them actually dead or not actually dead? That's sort of um, where where we left. Obviously, the most um, the 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 biggest surprise, or maybe not a surprise to some people, but Jon Snow's um, his his apparent death. You you expect though, like many online do, that Jon Snow will rise again. I believe Jon Snow may somehow come alive again, <laughs> and I've got a number of different ways this could happen. First of all, he um, he could be cured by the Red Witch, who's who's looking for a new person because we apparently think that Stannis is dead, although maybe we never actually saw him, um, the the giant uh, woman knight cut his head off so maybe he's not dead at all but either either um the red witch uh, brings john snow back to life i guess it makes sense that yeah stannis might still be alive it'd be weird if he right uh, 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 that seems it's, like it's game of thrones they're never shy of showing you death Why that's a good point yeah from that yeah one? they would so show his head they would fly show his off. head fly off and you know blood spurting out like that's did we not, see that here's the standard did we see ned stark headless we, yes we did we and we saw his head on we a stake afterwards i think oh okay oh, yeah. Some on a spike yep um so that could happen Two, um the guy um bron or bran i never know which one's which but the one who's bran is the, the is, child the, is the, the feeble one the feeble who, child right. could come back and inhabit Bronze. his body uh, uh, maybe uh, or, and this is the one I like more and more, is they leave him, his body there, the White Walkers show up, turn him, some, as I don't really Ooh. understand the science behind it, eat him, or do whatever they do, he comes back to life as a White Walker, but somewhere just a kernel of like the idea that I'm actually a good guy, and he defeats the White Walkers from within. Wow! I like Bran, who, as you touched on, can get inside the head of other people mm-hmm. and make them do his will, sort of like Obi-Wan Kenobi or anyone who's really strong with the Force. You said this a couple weeks ago, and I love this, yes. that if the White Walkers can be defeated by dragons, which we know they can be because dragon glass kills them. Right, and fire, presumably. Magic, it's not yeah. a good thing. Why don't we take Bran to get one inside the dragon's brain, one of yeah. uh, one of the three dragons, and torch those white I think walkers. that's I think that could be where we're where we're headed. Right now though, Bran we haven't seen for this whole season. Bran is living under a tree with Back some funny little elves. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure Children like of the forest. I would at least want to know that Bran is okay because those guys were creepy and he was in a creepy place We've under also, a tree. They also opened a Pandora's box. Also, the the producers, I don't think it's on George R. R. Martin. From what I read, they the the producers of the TV. Do you series. think George R. R. Martin could just drop the R R now? Because it is difficult to say it. Or can it's we enough, can we right. at least Thank drop you. the R R for it's, him? Let's do it. Georgie. Just George Martin. George M. That's G- if you're GM. an author, right? Of one of these fan- hmm? fantasy books, like well, these producers. Well, J. R. R. Tolkien. I see where he's going here, but it's like that's been done. At least get two different initials. I I would actually I would challenge is. Do his are his middle initials actually RR or is he just probably not? Does he just ripping? Them I mean, off? the worst of them all is M Night Shyamalan. 
M. Night. Yeah, that's weird. I wonder if it, well, no, the word. Michael though. Knight. I, th- I assumed it was the transition that Michael Knight made. But does it, as I've asked before, does he make people call, does he, what does, what does Chums call him? Hey, M. Night. Hey, M. Night. I got tickets, I uh, got an extra ticket to the ball game tonight. You want to make Check it, M. Night? someone who, lo- who hates Stephen A. Like the that's right. Himself. Yeah. I, that, all you need to know about Stephen A. Smith is that he has people call him Stephen A. Well. Does, okay, I didn't but know that. Flowed. But yeah, go, Steve Smith. Well, if somebody calls you Stephen Steve A, Smith. you don't say like, "Nah, just call me Steve, man." Come on. But it also kind of flows off the tongue pretty well, though. Stephen, Stephen A. A. Silliness. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is about the TV producers of this show. Apparently, they took some creative license this season, and the takeaway is, boy, they really don't like women very much. It was well, this yeah. was as an abusive to women specifically, terrible, violent rapes and burnings and ugh, terrible stuff. For uh, for but what's her name? Westeros still. That's pretty. Well, you can say that for every season. I, I don't. No, it was. Uh, they took it to a new level this year. Um, Black tie. How are you feeling about everything? Uh, I, I this was the first season where, like the Hank said, there were questions. There were definitely questions. It wasn't like first four seasons you watched like, oh, this is so awesome. This was like, uh, I don't think you really need to do that. Like the whole, um, yeah. the whole um, Dorn storyline and the dialogue and the acting and just the set. It looked like a sitcom a bunch of times when they were in Dorn with the sand snakes and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was really, really, really bad. A sitcom. I know. It was really a sitcom. I mean, there were people <laughs> the, the exposing ones. themselves to each other and <laughs> pretty, having pretty dark having, sitcom. If you take it back to the scene where Jamie and Braun go in and save his daughter. That really looked really fake. It was like, yeah, yeah. oh, they just get past like two guards, and all of a sudden they're like in the in the in the you know in the center of the city and saving them. But, the Sand uh, Snakes are those three sisters, yeah, two and, of whom are Foxy. Yeah, I, I'm glad they actually made sense of that. Little Very much sp- like the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm glad they made sense of that prison scene with Braun, where the whole with the whole like, hey, I have the cure on my chain here. I'm glad they sort of brought that back full circle because at the time when that happened, like episode five or six, right. it was like. What are you guys doing? Like, what's going on here? Dialogue was still terrible in Dorne. Um, I was really upset with the whole Jon Snow thing, but obviously I'm back on the train now that he's clearly coming back. There's no way. He's like the whole center of this whole show. There's no way in season five you're killing off a main character of this magnitude. Well, they, they've done it in every single but, season so yeah, far. Why would they... Because they're only going to about season seven or eight. It's well, so that's late the thing. Game. Like, yeah, that and that's that. I remember watching the whole way through. It's called Game of Thrones. We're expecting war at all time. We still have yet to see. We, I think, they're in the whole history of this show, which has run however many seasons now. Five. There was the Battle of Blackwater. Blackwater. Yeah. There was the one in the last one, Hard which home. wasn't really a battle in the first place. I think that's it. We're like, I want to see some. I mean, I don't want to, but I, I assumed we would see somewhere along the way as someone as we're all struggling to get to a throne. Well, as I've said before, some wars. I don't know if I love it or hate it, but one thing's for sure: I, I, I it is, it is uh, something that you can bank on that when you watch Game of Thrones, as any production that involves British people, that at least once they will say in very serious, uh, dripping uh, as they as they say the the one syllable, war. War has come to Westeros. War. It was like also fun seeing uh, Cersei take that walk of shame. Um, shame. CGI buddy double, which you could tell in a moment. You can actually see like that's not that's real. a good place. We got that email. Handsome. Who deserves that? Tom Brady, <laughs> the shame walk through the streets of uh, the NFL. Uh, I don't know. I mean, um... I'm the guy to do it though. Forget mm. that lady dressed like a pseudo nun doing it with the bell. Shame. 
ding, ding, shame, ding, ding. Instead, it's me doing it. Yeah. Shame! You know, my, way, yeah. way more agitating. I think the problem is that, as we've seen, in that if you become too righteous and pious yourself, next thing you know, you're naked walking through the street with someone else behind you. True. Shame. The one so thing careful is, what you wish for. Well, right? careful also to the producers. The Pandora's box that is the... Uh, what are they called? The nameless? What are they called? The people uh, that face, are used uh, with? The many faced uh, God the face, and faceless yeah. and yeah. If you saw Mission Impossible no 2, you know that you can get a little bit out of hand with the fi- taking right. faces face off. off. That yeah, that whole yeah, yeah, face off is another one. Be careful there, Game of Thrones producers. If you start th- making everybody's face malleable and everybody you never know who you're talking to at any given time, the whole thing can become rudderless. Yes. So let's hope that that just stays in that one room because too much it starts to get but are you really Cersei? That you know like Oh yeah, that that would be tiresome. Are you really Tyrion, you know? I gotta well, he's easier to identify. Easier the mask to... really isn't going to work. Tyrion, you've now. grown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like how Jamie obviously has seen a big character change since like season one up until now, where he actually sees. He's sympathetic. Like, he's sympathetic. one of the. And that's, that's interesting. Like, for him too. You almost could root for Jamie Lannister, where at the beginning you're like, this guy's vile. Like, it's completely different. Um, is there any redemption in the future for Reek and uh, Theon now that he's, you know. Well, we, all we know is that they jumped off of a giant castle wall. Into a snowbank. And apparently the snow was deep enough, and Reek, who can't fend for himself for the last two years, suddenly is confident and savvy enough to know, oh, yeah, that's snow. But at least they well, put but that it, up. The other the thing is, his, I mean, his redemption can only go so far. When we first met Reek, he was betting every wench in every tavern he passed. That's not coming back for him. That doesn't grow back. Unfortunately, Reek has been dispossessed. Is that how that works? Yeah, there is no... I didn't no pay way. attention in biology. So right, if, yeah. So if that happens, that doesn't... It's not like a lizard's tail, I think. I think there's Well, like a just, rhino, if you take a rhino's horn away, it does eventually grow back. Does it? I don't, yeah. I've never done that. So that does uh, not work. That does not work. Not how it on works. On a man. On a man. A human man. Human males. Um, if you take his manhood, that's, that's the only one you get. That's, you just get one. Um, and so, yeah, I think Reek's redemption or Theon's redemption is only going to go, only going to go so far. Yeah. Uh, maybe he could work work out a trade with somebody that's in the news here <laughs> right. in the 21st century here, who's looking to to deal. All right, listen, I I I, I don't even know. Well, what by the way, the other, one other one, one last cliffhanger was Daenerys, like. All of a sudden, she doesn't seem like a queen anymore. She doesn't have a dragon. She's probably going well, to have that, to. And that, so that's another one. And again, if you're talking about plausibility, which clearly we're not because there are dragons and everything else. But we have one episode where she's in gravest danger that, you know, mortal danger. And suddenly the dragon that hasn't that dragon. went missing, that's been sort of a, like a runaway dog, Drogon, the dragon, um, shows up and saves her and whatever else. And then yet... 20 minutes later in Showtime, she's sitting on top of a mountain with this dragon who is apparently now tired. And yeah, he's like resting. Can't be, can't, really can't be asked to come. And then she walks down the hill. The dragon presumably is asleep on the top of the hill. And suddenly she's surrounded. But why doesn't the dragon like look up and go, oh, look, there's I know. the person who I this saved. This dragon seems like a real jerk. Right. You know, he's not <laughs> right. helping out at all. It's, and I think this might be a problem that she has. Right now, essentially, she's got teenage dragons. And these teenage dragons are like a lot of teenagers. A little Drogon, little get down here and save me right now. No, Mom, I hate you. I'm resting. I guess they, they took blood from me at that thing. I don't I hate you, Mom. <laughs> All right, that's enough. I think we've had more than enough. By the way, if you're listening, don't watch Ballers. It's terrible. Is it bad? It's, all, it's really bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I, may, I I feel like 
I must there there are times when I realize my taste is completely out of step with most of America's and I'll tell you a good example of that is uh the this show is is one thing no but also uh also the rock what is what to what is owed the ongoing well he's plausible a list status of this right. guy who is roided up and is very self impressed and I don't well, know, he's a wrestler guy. Was it? This is our hero. He is actually. He works in this role because he is playing himself. There is no acting going on. It is essentially you've got to pretend to be an ex-football star who who is um, self-impressed and all the things you just mentioned. It, I know. I want the self-impressed, roided up uh, Sly Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger of my youth. I don't need this. Uh, to pull uh, the curtain back, yes, you've never been a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You did say like a year or two ago that Channing Tatum was a big action star, and it was like, uh, no, he's not, not at all. Well, I but it's, it's bigger. It's all about charisma, though. Is that what the argument was? Yes. Who's the bigger star? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it was a big action star. I was like, oh, The Rock by far. Bigger? A- I don't remember if that was the exact uh, debate. Is who was the better star? No, Channing who Tatum. Was bigger. I mean, in any in any realm, like he's he's more bankable. He makes the most money. He gets the most roles. He's always working. He probably is the hardest working person in all the sports and entertainment. He's always working <laughs> and always working out. That's not that's not. I'm always working out. He's <laughs> always doing either working on some new show or TV show or literally always working out. He's the his he is the hardest diet. working person in sports and, and, and or entertainment. Yes, I put him up there with, with the best of them. Look at the the mooks behind the glass with you there, Black Tire, nodding in agreement. He is extremely. <laughs> they have to. Have you noticed how quickly they go missing? There were, there were <laughs> other people back here that disagreed with them. They, these guys know what know what's going on. Tom Tommy Ty, be your own man. We you don't just, have to agree with them about the rock. Just know what's going on, I and mean, we keep up up to date with what's going on in the rock. The hardest working man in. Working. I mean, I may I don't know about it in entertainment, but certainly it's not in sports. sports. So I'm, put, I'm putting it up there, man. All right, you I'm going to go with J.J. Watt works harder than The I'm, Rock does. By the way, The Rock when doesn't you, have to get tested for anything. The Rock can become <laughs> – but there is no – there's no, you know, when oh, you what's The Rock flights, been taking to get that big for this movie? Hey, Guess what? There's no testing. When you factor in flights across the world, I'm not gonna workouts, <laughs> all that stuff, flights social, social media world. appearances, he is a hard This is not – your argument's not getting better. Saying he's a hardworking man, The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Yeah, don't watch. A delightful. Apart from the line where Shula, sorry, I just interrupt you there, but Shula, Don <laughs> Shula appears in the first episode to deliver the line to a pretend player. You're an. <laughs> really? Don Shula wouldn't say that to anyone. Terrific. Such a delightful man. I like that. That's worth watching. I wish, yeah. I wish you're going to say the censored version, but sorry, did it, everyone. Um. All right. So listen, we have, we believe, we're going to be talking with uh, old pal here, who we've met with uh, four or five times now over the years. Calais Campbell, talk about a delightful fella. That's you know, video, if Campbell Soup only, Yeah. If Cam- if if Calais Campbell, if Campbell Soup isn't going to do the right thing and make him the face of their soup, then they I think we Matthews. should make a, I think we need to make a whole new brand of soup and call it Calais Soup. How about that? Take that Campbell Soup. I'll trade on the first name instead. I think that, that that's something that we will talk with Calais about, and we'll see what else comes up. We will be back with another show for you then later in the week. Thanks to Nate Burleson. We will work. We got to work on that list there, Hanson. That's mm, a good idea. I like that, it that, that uh, we started there. Drop me a line. Uh, hashtag DDFP. Let me know what you think about uh, the team that's definitely not going to go to the playoffs. We'll get into some of those later in the week. 
thanks to Handsome, Black Tie, and the rest. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.